Welcome to Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score, your on-air resource for fitness, nutrition, and injury prevention and treatments for today's weekend warrior and professional athletes with renowned specialist of elbows, knees, and shoulders, Dr. Brian Cole, along with other health and fitness leaders, and your host, Steve Cashel. Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on 670 The Score. Welcome in, everyone. A brand new edition of Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. I'm Steve Cashel. Later, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and the head team physician with the Chicago Bulls, also one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox. This is the Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. And net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Coming up, we're going to have our Ask the Doctor segment. We bring back Dr. Cole and have a fun segment with him. But right now, we're going to start talking a little bit about uh, the best in physical rehab. And we're going to bring on a uh, gentleman right now who uh, has done a uh, wonderful job for Ivy Rehab Physical Therapy. As we begin our show on this Saturday morning, ivyrehab.com is their website. It's Dr. Alex Spendersky. And Dr. Alex, uh, thanks so much for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly. I see that Ivy Rehab was founded back in 2003, outpatient physical therapy, 90 locations just in the Midwest and Northeast itself, 13 here in Chicago area and Illinois. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what you guys specialize in, what maybe sets you apart with Ivy Rehab? Yeah, absolutely, Steve. Uh, Ivy Rehab was started in 2003, and uh, we are primarily focused on a provision of orthopedic physical therapy. Our uh, driving goal is to provide the highest quality of clinical care, but also to focus on establishing uh, experienced, well-seasoned, and well-advanced-trained physical therapists, occupational therapists, and speech-language pathologists here in Midwest as well as on the East Coast. IP Rehab uh, is uh, always focused on growth and, once again, providing the highest quality of clinical care. Hey, Doc, let me ask you, what's the difference between high versus low-value physical therapy care? That's a great question. I think uh, one must always differentiate. High-quality physical therapy care is the care that's provided with uh, primarily patient being in focus and patient-driven. High-quality physical therapy is provided by uh, establishing evidence-based practice with evidence being founded on scientific literature and evidence that guides clinical care with focus on quick and uh, complete recovery from orthopedic injuries. And then low-value physical therapy care. How do we uh, distinguish that? Well, I think low-value physical therapy care is anything that's not specific, not skilled, or oriented towards a patient. Something where um, usually a patient goes through just the regular motions without any specific individualized care or merit provided. So when you no longer see the need for experienced, skilled clinical care, that would most likely be a low-value physical therapy. Yeah, I'm going through some physical therapy right now on my shoulder. Uh, it's kind of been well documented on this show, Sports Medicine Weekly. About uh, six, seven weeks ago, I had um, shoulder surgery. The uh, tenondesis, uh, take a, uh, Dr. Cole actually performed the surgery. Who else? My co-host here on Sports Medicine Weekly, and he took a part of my biceps tendon, uh, cut it, and then reattached it to the humerus bone, and also had uh, some clean-out with... Um, 
my uh, bone spurs and a little bit of arthritis in my shoulder. So, but I'm, I'm going through physical therapy really for the first time in my life. And um, I noticed that it, it's not easy. Um, but you know what? You have to be, I think the patient has to be dedicated. Would you agree? I mean, it's easy just to lay down and let them kind of massage and, and work on you a little bit. But um, I got to do my part and, and talk a little bit about the importance of that. Well, I think absolutely. Compliance with uh, post-operative protocol and specifically compliance and hard work towards recovery always pays off. I think when you're undergoing care for post-operative recovery, it is always important to respect tissue homeostasis and tissue healing. The process of repair can be divided into three different categories, where the first part of repair is a granulation phase of care, where you probably were immobilized for a couple of weeks, and following that, you started some... Yeah, so you started uh, doing some passive uh, exercises and passive range of motion exercises. The second phase of recovery is uh, proliferation, and at that point, tissues begin to harden. You start to push it a little bit more, work on active mobility and strength. And the third phase would be the maturation phase where you're working on uh, recovering active function, moving above, working on strength, and specifically return to play, return to golf, um, returning to activities of choice to make you an individual. Absolutely. Again, we're visiting with uh, Dr. Alex Spendersky from Ivy Rehab Physical Therapy, an advanced trained physical therapist, certified manual manipulative therapist, 16 years of clinical and academic experience. Final question. We're running out of time in this segment, Doc. Uh, Should exercises be structured and linear or diverse and variable? I think what we see through literature, and especially in the last couple of years, exercises have to be uh, diverse, eclectic, and variable, I think, especially when you are preparing to return to play and preparing to resume your normal function and when your tissues are able to sustain load, proper load management, strength management, and variability in exercise will inevitably lead to better, faster, more proficient outcomes than something that's linear and predictable. Terrific. Again, Ivy Rehab, founded in 2003, an outpatient physical therapy. Number of facilities, just 90, I should say as many as 90 here in the Midwest and Northeast. We've got 20 in Michigan, 4 in Indiana, 13 locations in the state of Illinois. Their website is IVIVYrehab.com. And my guest has been Dr. Alex Spendersky. Doc, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the new partnership we have with you guys here on Sports Medicine Weekly. And we'll talk with you again down the line. It's been a pleasure. Appreciate it. Our next guest here on Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning comes to us from Esculop Biologics, and it is Dr. Bob Spiro. He's a Senior Vice President, Biologics, Development, Scientific, and Clinical Affairs with Esculop. And, Doc, thanks so much for joining us here on this Saturday morning. Great to be here. Appreciate it. I want to talk a little bit about treating and restoring damaged cartilage, something you guys do the best of anyone. Uh, Why is damaged cartilage, Doc, so difficult to heal? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it really stems from the fact that cartilage is really unique and specialized uh, type of tissue that's found within our body. You know, it's there to provide a shock-absorbing function as well as a friction-free surface for joints like our knees that, you know, that have to move almost constantly on a day-to-day basis. And the problem is it has very relatively few cells in it, and the cells that are there in an adult really just don't have the activity to repair damage when it does occur. 
And I think the, probably the biggest reason is that there's no direct blood supply or nerve supply to this type of tissue. So you can't get new cells brought in the way you would in a normal wound healing situation, say in skin or bone. So unfortunately, once you damage it, it's just not going to heal. Wow. And why is it important to treat damaged cartilage? Well, once we damage it, you know, if we didn't want to use that joint uh, for the rest of our lives, we'd be fine. But, yeah. you know, the fact is we need to use it every day. And really what's happening, once you damage it, you're really loading it and, and, and degrading it a little more every day, every time you walk on it, and because it can't heal. And it's those kind of daily activities that over the years just continue to grind and wear away the, the rest of the cartilage on the joint to, until you end up to the point where really a total joint replacement is your only option uh, to restore function and quality of life. It's kind of like a pothole in the road. If you don't fix that and you keep driving over it, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. All right, so you got damaged cartilage, but you're able to treat damaged cartilage, correct? There is a treatment for it? That is correct. We have a, a new, new new technology that's coming out, uh, covering clinical trial with, and it's a, it's a product called Novacart 3D, but what that technology allows us to do is we can now take a tiny piece of your own healthy cartilage out of your knee that's remaining there, uh, we can isolate the cells that are, are present in that tissue, and we can kind of trick them to multiply and grow pretty much over a three-week period or so. We then put them on a, a special scaffold or matrix, and that's shipped back to your surgeon, who will then implant that cell device right back into the defect. And because it's your cells that we've now kind of tricked to, um, to start making new cartilage again, once that implant is placed into the defect, it fills in with brand-new cartilage, your cells, your tissue, and more importantly, it keeps the rest of the joint from degrading away. So we really think this treatment will really help to, um, to, to stop the osteoarthritic process and really to at least be able to delay the need for a total joint replacement. That's really interesting stuff. Dr. Bob Spiro joining us from Esculop Biologics. Where are you guys based out of? Yeah, we're in the Lehigh Valley area, just about an hour north of Philadelphia, the Center Valley, in Center Valley, Pennsylvania. Okay, and uh, boy, you talk about the Novacart 3D. We have mentioned that before um, on this show, Sports Medicine Weekly. And by the way, our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Um, how long, Doc, does something like that, you know, have you guys been going through the process of, of this clinical trial, the Novacart 3D, before you finally decide to... Uh, to have people um, involved with it. Yeah, we're we're, we're um, right in the middle of our pivotal uh, phase three trial right now. It's the last trial we need to do in order to get FDA approval to sell this product. So we need uh, about 233 patients, and as I said, we're about halfway through that. Again, our guest is Dr. Bob Spiro. He is with Esculop Biologics. So I want to ask who's eligible for the clinical trial. Yeah, we have a pretty wide age range. If you're between 18 and 65 years old, you're not too overweight, and you have knee pain that is being caused by cartilage damage. And as long as it hasn't progressed too far down that osteoarthritic pathway, and again, not bone on bone, and your doctor can really help, help with that type of diagnosis, uh, you could be eligible to take part in this trial. And how have the results been uh, so far? Yeah, it's actually a product that, at least in Europe and in Germany, has been on the market since about 2003. So we have data and uh, treatment from over 18,000 patients in Europe. So we, we pretty much know it works. We just have to go through this final trial for the FDA in the U.S. to get approval to sell it here in the U.S. Yeah, that was my question, Doc, that the U.S. is a little more stringent than uh, in the FDA than, uh, than other countries? 
I mean, not so much. It's really kind of equaled out over the years. And, you know, the FDA is just doing their job. They want to make sure that any product is safe and, and, and effective, you know, before they give approval. So it's, it's just the type of hoops we have to jump through. Good. What's the best way people can find out more about uh, your clinical trial, Novacart 3D? I'd say either search on that term, go to our website, asculapbiologics.com, and all that information would point you in the right direction. We have about 30, 30 plus sites spread out through the United States uh, that, that are participating in this trial. So it's pretty straightforward to find a, an investigator in a site. Well, I love modern technology again, and it's not easy to spell Esculap, A E S C U L A P Biologics.com. Esculap Biologics. Dr. Bob Spiro. Uh, joining us this morning from Center Valley, Pennsylvania with Escalop. Thanks so much, Doc, for your uh, expertise in uh, sharing with us uh, treating and restoring damaged cartilage. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Up next here on Sports Medicine Weekly, our staple of the show, Dr. Brian Cole will join us in our Ask the Doctor segment. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The Score. Back on the Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. We come your way each and every Saturday between 8 a.m. and 8.30, only on 670 The Score. To access prior shows, interviews, and valuable resources on sports injury and fitness, please visit our blog at smwhome.net or the website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole, our producer and board operator, is Shane Reardon. Time now for our Ask the Doctor segment. Always fun doing this segment. If you want to be involved in Ask Dr. Cole a question, it's very easy to do. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on our homepage on the right side underneath the picture of Dr. Cole and yours truly, you can click on that link and ask the doc a question. Dr. Cole, you ready to go? I'm ready. Let's continue my office from earlier in the week. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Question number one, all right? While using the leg press machine at my gym, I hurt my knee. Pain is primarily on the right side, but also within the knee when I place weight on it. Subsequently, it feels like I have pulled a hamstring muscle and have a tender Achilles as well. Some other things. Initial injury took place about two weeks ago. Achilles is feeling better. Hamstring still sore, but slightly better. Knee still tender. Here's his question. Any thoughts on what could have happened? Well, I, you know, I think this just begs the larger question. When it, When is there a significant injury that really is something that has to be tended to rather than ignored. So a leg press machine is a closed chain exercise. That means when you push on the plate, you're contracting your quads and your hamstrings at the same time. That's a lot better machine than the other one you often see in health clubs and gyms where you put your tibia, your shin bone against the the, the machine and you sort of extend your knee. That's probably one of the most archaic exercises because that's called, that's an open chain exercise that loads the patellofemoral joint the kneecap joint yeah. so they it's amazing they still have those in gyms but you should it's just one that you kind of stay away from so there's a difference between what we call open chain and closed chain exercise so the safest and most efficient one if you're working out is going to be a closed chain exercise that means we're simultaneously contracting the muscles in the front of the leg and the back of the leg 
at the same time. So that's if you're pushing something, right? Same thing if you're doing a squat, a short arc squat with on a rack and things like that versus one where you do a straight leg extension. Does that make sense to you, Steve? Stay away from the leg extensions. <clears throat> right. You can you can get the same muscle group, but you can get them at the same time, the front chain and the, the frontal chain and the posterior chain. Yeah, why chain. not? So in this particular instance, you know, obviously this, this gentleman is saying, look, I have pain on the right side. I don't know if it's his left leg or his right leg, but, you know, I think it just highlights the issue. What would be significant? If you're using a weight machine and you develop the acute onset of knee pain and it's along the joint line on the inner or the outer side and it swells, that more likely than not is something that's significant. Swelling is definitely a sign that you have done something. Now, you can choose to sort of wait it out for 24, 48 hours, maybe take anti-inflammatories over the counter, ice it, and so forth. But if the knee is a locked knee, you can't bend or straighten it, things like that, that's more of an orthopedic emergency. The sudden or acute onset of knee pain, you know, I always tell patients, I say, look, if you didn't get into my office right away, there's a good chance in five to seven days this stuff's going to get better on its own. So patients need to know when it's serious and when you should actually seek treatment if something happens in response to exercising. And I would say the key findings are loss of motion, acute loss of motion where you can't bend or straighten the joint, uh, very severe discomfort, uh, the knee or the joint goes out of position in some way, uh, acute numbness, tingling, things like that. You know, those are more emergent type situations. I can't say what this individual did. My guess is nothing serious. And probably by the time I got to answering this question, they're feeling better. So I think the things that are to watch for, as I described, acute onset of swelling, significant pain, motion loss, those are things that require more immediate attention. Lots of these other things can take a little time and will get better just by what we call skillful neglect. All right, question number two in our Ask the Doctor segment here on Sports Medicine Weekly. This is a quick seven-word question for you, Dr. Cole. Is recovery nutrition post-workout food important? Yeah, so I think the thing is, look, if you exercise to tone up or slim down, you got to really make sure that you really need a, quote, recovery meal before assuming you do. You know, you want to obviously maybe avoid things that are hyperglycemic, that that uh, give you a sugar, uh, elevated sugars due to uh, glucose and simple sugars and so forth and fire off your insulin. So I would say that the unfortunate thing is that many people actually overeat after working out and actually consume more calories in their post-workout recovery meal than they've actually burned during their workout. So the, we sometimes feel like we get a buy when we exercise. say, well, okay, I just worked out. I can just eat whatever I want. And, and I think they end up having positive calorie intake rather than actually being more efficient in that way. So look, if your workout is not more than, say, 90 minutes or completed at sort of a sweat-soaked, high-intensity rate, which we probably want to do a couple of times a week, you may not really need a true recovery meal or a snack after you're done. So I think the, really the, just keep in mind a healthy, a healthy snack, fresh fruit, veggies, maybe hummus, drink of water, maybe something like a, a, a lower-fat chocolate milk, things like that for a good replenishment. But you don't need to have a carb-heavy, uh, I just exercise, I get to make up for it, and then some uh, a meal for recovery. The one thing is that you know we do have problems with uh, delayed onset muscle soreness and things of that nature, and that can be to, to, uh, due to protein break, to muscle breakdown. And that's where recovery involves proper protein intake, uh, which includes what we call essential or and branch chain amino acids. So uh, uh, an aliquot of protein is probably just as important as anything during the recovery process because of muscle breakdown and to maybe minimize the onset of delayed onset muscle soreness. And I would so, imagine stay hydrated, right? Water is always yeah, good. Yeah, it's key. You know, uh, uh, pale colored urine is sort of your your uh, your uh, surrogate for whether or not you're properly hydrated. But I would say at, at more than anything else, staying properly hydrated is going to be important after a tough 
workout. Take advantage of all those calories burned. And uh, having an excessive recovery meal probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. All right. It's our Ask the Doctor segment here on Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Steve Cashel with my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. And I've never heard of this. Here's question number three, Doc, for this segment. What is cord blood banking? So cord blood banking is a uh, rather entrepreneurial business. It's been around for some time. And basically, there are a number of these sort of blood banks, if you will, that are certified that you can take umbilical cord blood, which would otherwise be probably thrown away with uh, the placenta and uh, at the time of birth. And there are lots of wonderful stem cells present that are what we call pluripotential. They have the, the opportunity to differentiate into different tissue types if placed in the right environment. The challenge is that the diseases that it can treat have been still poorly vetted, been poorly vetted and are somewhat experimental. And the real application, uh, which we had hoped would be for diabetes, for other immune diseases, uh, things of that nature, there hasn't been a large number of diseases that can be treated with these stem cells. So they ultimately would have to be uh, cultured, expanded, and useful for some disease states. So it's a it's a burgeoning business based upon some hope that in the future this blood could be thawed, used to treat rare genetic diseases and cancers and things of that nature. But the reality is it, we haven't really identified a large number of these. I will tell you, even in orthopedics, I've had a number of patients who have come and it says, look, I have access to cord blood from A, B, and C. First of all, it has to be a match. Second of all... Um, it hasn't yet the use of stem cells in this capacity to be truly regenerative, say for traumatic brain injury or spinal cord and things like that, is really in its infancy and is highly investigational. So we have a long way to go. I would say if you're going to do it, there's no risk, but there's a cost involved. So you want to ask all the, the hard questions. And frankly, I don't know what I would do in today's day and age if I would actually consider doing it. I would want to have a little more assurance that it has uh, some uh, true anticipated benefit in the near term. All right, one more question here in our Ask the Doctor segment for Dr. Brian Cole. Here we go, Doc. We've got another question from one of our listeners. If my muscles are sore from previous workouts, is it safe to exercise them? So this is a condition called DOMS, or delayed onset muscle soreness. It usually happens in the first one to two days, and it's largely due to microscopic breakdown of muscle and protein. And it's really why adequate protein intake is so important. Recovery uh, can be mechanical, uh, foam rolling and uh, soft tissue procedures and things of that nature. It can deal with uh, cold contrast bath, things like that, massage and so forth. Uh, But it also requires adequate nutrition. So it's usually a sign that uh, there's some microscopic breakdown. There's some data that shows, for example, that uh, taking uh, creatine at the time of workout and the proper doses can minimize this. Uh, But the bottom line is it's not necessarily dangerous, but you really do need to give yourself some time to recover because it'll put more stress on the other ligaments, the tendons, and uh, maybe increase your chance of injury. So I think that uh, uh, avoiding this concept of overreaching, which is really training beyond what you're uh, overtraining what you're beyond what your uh, threshold should be. Uh, proper nutrition, recovery, protein intake is really important. And I would respect the muscle groups that are very, very sore and probably consider cross-training and working on other non-muscle, non-sore muscle groups in an effort to get the most efficiency and the most out of your workouts. Great stuff. We're out of time. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. also want to thank David Cole for managing our website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith. 
from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on The Score. Up next, Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Take care. Talk with you again next week, everybody. You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel, only on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station.